what's good, y'all? Welcome to another episode of Fun with Dumb. Uh, I'm implementing these one-on-one guests again like we used to do on Fun with Dumb because during um, a couple of months of quarantine, uh, it was hard to get guests in general, so I started doing a lot of Zoom ones. I was doing um, the regular crew that I'm usually around with, of course, COVID safe squad of people that we did co-host with, but I wanted to start bringing in guests again, and this particular guest was part of a of an episode that was legendary on the fun with dumb <laughs> catalog <laughs> that we still have to replicate at we some will. point we yeah. will and it's the uh, it's the it was the bobby episode which we had bobby hundreds right here and we had bobby lee the comedian um bobby lee has like multiple hit <laughs> podcasts right now you know so he's a very popular dude in the podcast space um, but we're going to make that happen. Maybe for the 100th or 150th. I don't know. We'll figure it out. <laughs> but, what, I've, what is it about Bobby that people love his podcasts? Bobby Lee. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's Bobby. I Bobby know. is just uh, just an energy, a force. I feel like I've heard so much of what he has to say, but every time he records a new episode of anything, it's brand new all over again. Yeah. I'm like, I never heard that story. How does this guy have... So many crazy, like every single day of his life and was I, an adventure. And I think Bobby doesn't even come in with any research of any sort. <laughs> he just like, I don't <laughs> see him as the guy who just has facts on the, his guests, yeah. you know. But he does have tons of stories, and he has like, so many experiences with these dudes because he's an OG in the game too. And yeah, he, you know, he's he's done comedy for so long, an yeah. OG in the Asian world too. Um, but he's fucking funny, and then so good. He has his girl with him right there, so I feel like those kind of energies keep him in check and call him out on things yeah. and he's comfortable with that because he has relationships with the, with the, with his squad yeah yeah shit is amazing um but today's guest <laughs> bobby hundreds ladies and gentlemen hey no in studio clapping okay thanks guys i like the in studio even if it's like three or four people i like that it, it sounds good it, it kind of yeah. keeps the energy going you know yeah we do that on the gray area the pas just a couple of people on the crew just clap to keep the energy going yeah i like it uh first and foremost man how are you i'm good i i think um that's such a such a large and overwhelming question these days i know it's like how are you and we used to use it as like uh casual greeting it didn't like, mean up? shit it didn't mean shit <laughs> it it's just like what do you what do you mean how am i doing like i'm fine like everyone's fine yeah you know if we're not fine we're okay and now you really have to think about that question because it fluctuates day to day and it's you know this year has just been highs and lows you right. know so i don't even know I feel like my bar has dropped so low that my standard of what is normal or passing is probably completely off caliber, off calibration from what it was like a year ago. But I think I'm okay right now. Yeah. If you had asked me last year to judge and kind of frame how my life looks at this point, I'd be like, yo, that doesn't sound right. But, um, yeah. Is your initial feeling when someone asks you like, how are you? Is it like, actually not bad or is it kind of like god damn dude sometimes it's bad it is yeah you know it it's always bad and i've never had a i've never felt this way my entire life i've never had what some people call the sunday scaries or like the monday blues or whatever um i've never had that like yeah. when the weekend is kind of nearing its end i'm really excited to get back to work right and i want to i want monday to come i can't wait for it and um something changed this year like at some point midsummer where 
I really started to dread Mondays. Mm. And so Mondays are really hard for me. And then it takes me a while to like wind up into Tuesdays and Wednesdays. And probably by like tomorrow, I start feeling myself again into yeah. the weekend. But um, I can't even figure out why that is. And I think maybe part of it has to do with the week it used to mean something different than the weekend like there was right. an actual distinction between what sunday and monday was and now it just feels like this mobius strip of a week mm. that's been going on and on and on and, and is that because the work environment as a whole globally has changed in a way or no yeah i think it's just that and like everything has changed and yeah. social relationships have changed and when i start to really think about i mean it's bad out there. Yeah. You know, is, like is. if we if you actually take the time to think about where we are, like we are that cartoon dog in the fire. Right. <laughs> yeah. And we think of, you know, we take everything into context and con context and consideration of like, yo, this is actually completely abnormal. This is wild. Mm. And again, like if we went back to January, December and told ourselves this is what the world's going to look like, this is what your life's going to look like, your relationships, your work, you'd be f completely freaked out. We've kind of inched into it you know toe one toe at a time and now we're here but when you actually remove yourself and look at it from above you're like this is really gnarly and heavy stuff you know and thank god that we have our relationships you know hopefully people listening and watching this like you have close relationships with friends and family who are there to help you feel somewhat balanced in life yeah but if i didn't have that i don't know like it would be really difficult i, I was curious about how your work has changed and your relationship with your work and mm. maybe your family too. You yeah. Know? yeah. Um, just cause you cover so much and there's so much going on. Yeah. So your work kind of doesn't stop really at that point. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, I, we're all of that generation yeah. where yeah. our work is our life. I had no boundaries. And when, uh, I would get asked that, how do you balance your life and your personal uh, your personal life and your work and how do you maintain that? And I always said, Oh, I, I don't, it's impossible. Uh, the only way I know how to deal with it is by surrounding myself with people who are really empathetic and understanding and forgiving. Hmm. Like my wife is very forgiving when I'm like, Oh, I have to leave for two weeks. I'm going to Paris for fashion week or whatever. See you later. And, uh, Oh, I work till midnight again for the, you know, 400th day in a row. And, you know, to my kids as well, my kids get it. And so, I have these friends and family members who are like very, very accommodating to it. Right. So that's how I dealt with it up till now. But what this year really showed me and allowed me to see was that, I mean, I was drowning, man. Like we were all drowning. We're drowning in yeah. our work. We're drowning in the noise of what's happening online. We're drowning in the glut of information and news, right? There's always another crisis. There really is. But, you know, for us to be drowning in all this information, it's really hard and taxing on us and yeah. for us to actually take a year off to wake up and smell the roses right. and just kind of like get a lay of the land has been whether we appreciate it or not it's actually been probably really helpful for you in the long run just right? mental health wise you mean for everybody mental health wise also just taking stock of friendships like what friends and relationships right. you need in your life like taking stock of what work is most important and how to optimize your work approach right like do we have to do everything or do we have to do specific things that are more meaningful and that have more mileage in the end you know it is the wokest year for this generation isn't it like yeah i, well, I for, hope it is they're in their lifetime and yeah this yeah. generation i hope it is i think people are you know my 
I was just talking about this earlier with a friend. I, I, I was kind of hoping in a way that streetwear, you know, this is the industry I come from for people who don't know what I do. I'm a clothing designer. I run a streetwear brand. And part of me at, in, in the middle of all this was like, I hope people kind of wake up and realize there's more to life than streetwear. And mm. in a way, like maybe our market will kind of downshift a little bit and people will prioritize more personal relationships or right. contributing to the community or standing up for important causes. And, and I noticed you were issues. encouraging that through your social yeah, media I, outlet, that I, message. I've, I've always been. And I think especially this year, I wanted to, I was like, this is the time for us to really put that under the microscope. Like, let's emphasize that. And it almost, it, it did, but it also, for other reasons, streetwear has become even more popular and commercial yes i like, did not know this consumption and commerce has become e-commerce a lot e for just sure just exploded right and um a lot of people are surprised to hear that because they're like oh how's business i'm like uh best year we've ever had wow and we're not alone many brands especially if they sell direct are just crushing it you know kind of behind the scenes number of reasons for that number one there's a lot of unemployment money floating around right mm. Uh, number two, our demographic, which is young people, have historically, you know, since the beginning of time, have always felt invincible, right? Yeah. So they feel like they are outside of COVID. How many young people do I know, friends, people who work with me, just kids that I'm around, that have gone through COVID and felt like it was nothing, yeah. you know, and w did not understand the gravity of even when they were suffering from the disease. They were just like, oh, yeah, it's, just, it's annoying. I have COVID right now. And it's just like a, you know, they don't even realize, like, what, they, what they're holding on to. Right. So, like they, it doesn't mean the same thing to them. So they don't have the same anxiety and the concern. And if anything, like my generation, which is, um, I don't know where I fall. I'm somewhere between a millennial and a, I guess I'm on the tail end <laughs> of a millennial or whatever it is, but we're the most screwed because our, the kids don't care, you know, the young kids. And then the old people, like our parents, I don't know about, well, your mom, I saw her. She actually wore a mask and stuff. My parents don't wear masks. Like they don't yeah, care. Yeah. They don't believe in it. Like they just don't think any of it is, they're like, we've been through hell, you know, right. like we immigrated here, so we don't care. So I don't know where I was going with all that, but it's, oh, what I was saying was that st how streetwear has thrived is that you have unemployment money coming in. You have yeah. a generation of young people who they don't feel the same way or have the same concerns as we do. So they're kind of open to participating in the economy, buying stuff. Um, and then third, they'd have nowhere else to spend their money right now. Right. Right. So like my audience is used to going to your concerts. They're used to going to Coachella Festival, restaurants, going out or, or on the weekend, spending hundreds of dollars, going to the club, buying drinks, going on dates, Ubers, right? They don't, have, they don't do that anymore. So here's like a few hundred bucks a week and you have to spend it somewhere. Where are you going to spend it? You know, video games, drugs, clothes, right. sneakers. Right. And so the sneaker game is just on a whole nother level right now. Streetwear's on a whole nother level. Drug dealers are keep, booming still. Can't keep up. <laughs> and drug, yeah, and drug dealers booming. So there's... That's a, you know, from a business perspective, it's really peculiar to see where the winners and the losers lie. Right. Right. It's mm -hmm. kind of like when a wildfire moves into a neighborhood and it leaves, you know, five houses burned down to ashes. And then for whatever reason, there's the one in yeah. the corner that's still standing. Did you, did you know that it was going to head that direction or no, do well? No, or no? no none oh, of us. You didn't predict that. None of us predicted it. And yeah. I still can't predict it. I can't say that that's how it's going to sustain, um, you know, tomorrow and right. next week. I have no idea. That's like, the one thing we learned is everything is so unsure. Like the it's world so can uncertain. change so quickly. So every day we are trying to, as a business, trying to make the most of it, mm -hmm. right? And conserve, conserve, conserve. Everyone's like, dude, you guys are killing right now. So I'm sure you're just 
loving life and taking your gas off, you know, easing off the gas. And I'm like, oh, no, 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 because this can all drop off a cliff sure. again tomorrow. The craziest thing, my dad, uh, you know, I'm like a downtown L.A. kid. You know, a lot of Korean families had downtown businesses in downtown Los Angeles with like, you know, the fashion clothing, yeah. fast fashion shit. To, yeah, yeah. Um, toy district my dad had like a shop in the toy district when, he, when we immigrated here when i was three and you know he did all right yeah. um not like crazy but we made good money and then um the last like 10 years because he didn't go transfer he didn't transition into e-commerce yeah just completely you know yeah fucked up borrow money from me every year all this stuff and then this past this past couple of months through covid he started doing mask sales. Yeah. And he came back. Yeah. And like got out of bankruptcy and like paid all his debts off. And it, and because I checked, I you know, we have dinner once in a while and he's always complaining about how his business is done. He's about to sell this thing. And he's yeah. like, and he needs to borrow money. Last like a month I saw him. He's like, I've been the master flying off the shelf. So yeah. he's been pushing crazy mask units. Oh, yeah. And he saved his unit literally through this pandemic. It's kind of wild. I've heard many similar stories, especially in the direct-to-consumer e-com world. There's another good friend of ours who was having, I'm not going to say who it is, but was on really tough times. Yeah. And was very early in catching the mask thing, was yeah. like, no one is supplying this. I, I can actually manufacture and made millions in a week. Wow. Right? And saved, you know, paid off debts for years and is making sure that the business is around for a while. Then you have other friends who were just killing it before all this, right? Couldn't be stopped. A lot of younger streetwear brands, that's kind of the name of the game in streetwear. So everyone always wants to know who's like new and next. So it's like the young kids who are always hottest, right? Right. But they are having a lot of, not all of them, but a lot of them are having really hard time in this pandemic, right? Yeah. Because most of them were energized by being out, right? Like being out at the parties, being on the nightlife scene, being affiliated with certain celebrities, concerts popping up, like that kind of a life. If that doesn't exist anymore and then you don't have the business infrastructure to kind of weather this really long drought that we're in it's like yeah you went from being like this really cool noisy hype filled machine to it's really hard to s sustain that over time the only ones who seem to be doing really well with it are brands that are more established as businesses and yeah. have some kind of an infrastructure set up to work right. Like it's already a well-oiled machine, so how, it is weird. The how, winners and losers. How does it feel? Like you know, masks were pretty common in Asia already. But yeah. Just being the new item of clothing that just gets thrown into <laughs> the system is that weird as somebody who's in fashion? I'm. It's not. Not but things like that well, happen, for, right? In, in totally. history of clothing and stuff. It's huh. there's always something new. I, I didn't. I felt more uncomfortable with dad hats. You know, <laughs> yeah. like I, my when back Korean head didn't fit into a dad hat. And right. then all of a sudden for two years, that's like all people wanted to wear was a dad hat. And I was like, I couldn't. That's true. Okay. Is that a I'm Korean like, thing that don't agree with the dad the hats? Dad or hats they don't fit our round. We talked a little bit the about five this in panels our don't work with me. Either. I need no, an extra panel the, or it's something. It's a head shape. I'm good with a trucker. Yeah, a good, a good deep trucker. Yeah. A, a new era fitted. Thank God the new era fitted are coming back for our shaped heads. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but other than that, I've just had to free style it with my hair but you know i was more uncomfortable with those kinds of fashion choices or like jogger pants like when jogger pants were a thing i've never worn a pair of jogger pants uh that was that that bothered me more than a mask you know <laughs> yeah. i love masks to be honest joggers. i've been joggers uh, no but mask yes yeah. i would start the anti-jogging 
anti-jogger movement any day. Right. Like, I'll show up on the steps of City Hall protesting that shit. But so mask masks thing, are a thing now, and there's yeah. the, are are designer companies and stuff making masks or what? every. It seems like most brands have made some kind of yeah. so. This is what we've realized too. We were pretty early on in making masks because everyone was like, look, there's a real need for like just a cool looking mask. At yeah. first, the, all that was offered, N95s, the blue surgical right. masks, and people were like, if I'm gonna look, you know, I want my drip to look a certain way, okay, fine. We'll make a, a mask that's branded on the hundreds. And we did that. And then I think we all collectively, like on the brand side and the consumer side, realized at a certain point, just give us the normal masks, like the medical masks, the disposable, like these kinds, like we don't need to get all fashion forward with it. Yeah. And so now what we're doing as a brand is we're starting to just make normal blue masks like that. Oh, really? Like going directly to the company, right. making sure they're because look, they've spent years mastering this <laughs> right, right. situation. I'm not going to come in and innovate in the space. Yeah. Cause a know? lot of the, the masks clothing company sells, you're supposed to wear those over these. Yeah, things. exactly. And that's already an it's extra just like, layer of hotness. And that it's, you gotta it's deal like with. 160 degrees outside. So nobody's trying to do that. You know, I'd rather yeah. let the mask companies do the mask thing. And then we'll just kind of co-brand it somewhere. Maybe we'll like change like the string color or something yeah. like that. But other than that, like, just give us a normal mask. Like, I don't want to mess with it. <laughs> All right, wait, hold on. Let me just acknowledge this chat real quick. Um, I want everybody to hit us up on the discords. Lots of big head. Talk. Yeah, big head gang gang. <laughs> I want everybody to join the discord. Um, and I want to get some questions directly from you guys to Bobby. Um, you know, we're going to talk for a little longer, and then we'll get to the questions. But join the discord right now. Wait in the waiting room, and then we will get you guys in. Uh, let me look at the chat here. Mass, the new necessary accessory. Okay, that's a bar right there. <laughs> My Korean fathead can, can't can fit five panels either. We need like seven or 11 panels. Tony does rock the dad. Do you rock dad hats? No, that's not a dad hat. That's, that yeah. is uh, in between. That's, that's just uncle, a modern baseball. Yeah, joint. that is. Yeah, that's <laughs> an uncle joint. Uh, <laughs> Uh, but yeah, please join the chat. Uh, we'd love to talk to you. Um, I wanted to talk to you about something because I heard another podcast you were on and you were talking about like growing up, you know, uh, when you were the minority and you got into skateboarding because that was yeah. like a minority culture, you know? Yeah, um, yeah. What do you think that is now, you know? Ooh, yeah, that is a, there was a point, I think in the last 10 years where I was questioning whether the underground still exists. Yeah. So we're talking really about whether there is some semblance of a subculture uh, underground right. you know uh, that can you know actually live somewhere out there I, I i didn't think it was possible with the internet like the way the internet mm. was moving i was like oh all subcultures are exposed so right. anybody can fall in and then i was proved just woefully wrong like over the last couple of years real figuring learning things every day in fact i think there's more subcultures and more niche cultures than ever because of the way that the internet is set up right. there's billions and billions of different little things pockets statements memes things that are happening that i'm always if you are off the internet for one day you're gonna miss right. you know and a subculture doesn't have a life on it. subculture can last three years it can last three months three minutes mm -hmm. you know there could have been a moment right there where that could have really moved people and so there, those are constantly happening. I feel like uh, they are proliferating more than ever. There's, you know, if you want to talk about, and is it more even, virtual? Would you say, like, does it feel more virtual as yeah. opposed to like going out to a little gig? Yeah, or, you it's, know, it's different. Yeah, the way that we had experienced subcultures was going to a backpack rap show or like, you know, a battle thing or like a skate, you know, skate thing. We hide behind. It. Yeah, like maybe that's different, but 
our lives are different. We are online, what, something like 80% more than we were at the beginning of the year. Like we basically have like doubled the amount of time we spend online as a people, right? So more of our lives are in there, which is also another reason why online sales are up because we are just participating in e-commerce more. Like the right. line between IRL and URL, like virtual and real is pretty much vanished at this point. Like right. what is the difference? There used to be a, a, a hard line, especially when it came to political and social issues, right? You were a certain way in real life and then online you could profess a certain type of ideology. And those over the last four years, but really the last like year have come to a head where now we are one and the same out in public, right? right? And we are willing to have those conversations out in public with people or if it's not a conversation or a violent altercation, one or the other, but it's happening now. So there is no more oh, all the chaos is happening in a 4chan or a subreddit or something. No, it's happening actually on Main Street. You're watching it happen live. Like, So um, I think it's all just one and the same, and we're at this point now where what is the difference between the Internet and what's happening on in the world? It's just that we live digital lives. You know, We're already there. True, true. I was just thinking about the AZN movement and how there's like this online <laughs> virtual AZN e, e community of yeah. Asians that embrace that like late nineties, early two thousands AZN yeah. culture. Yeah. You know, with all those images and there's like this E girl, E boy kind of aesthetic to yeah. it, to the images and everything. Yeah. And uh yeah, that show was mad interesting. Um and even talking to you about it because you did a whole collaboration where with K-Swiss, was it, or something? Uh, Fila, oh, Fila, the Fila, Fila project? Fila, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. With Fila, where you took the whole aesthetic of the AZN yeah. movement back <laughs> then. Is, yeah. And I, I find that interesting because um, even in your pod, I mean, as you talk about being this, like, out, uh, outsider within your community, inside mm. your own community, and we could be, like, Asian or whatnot, yeah. you know, like, how does that, how do you come back to, like, really appreciating that culture mm. that maybe like you felt like you were pushed out of for a little bit or yeah. an outsider in yeah because i feel like that happened to both of us like me too like i'm from k-town yeah i grew up i was around a lot of koreans but i was like the weirdo amongst the koreans you know i was into skateboarding i was into like punk rock and indie rock and underground hip-hop yeah and all the the kids here were like just straight Pac, you know, yeah. <laughs> like white tees, yeah. K-Swisses. And they were cool. They were like yeah. gangsters and shit. And I was not that, you know? Yeah. And and I'm not going to lie. I had a little bit of resentment early on, you yeah. know? It wasn't, but all of a sudden, like, if people saw Dumbfounded the brand, they'd be like, this fool reps for the Asians hard. Yeah. You know, like, at what point does has that happened for you? Or did you always kind of have the Asian pride in you at some point? No, no. absolutely <laughs> not. Yeah, that's no, what I thought. No, so I was no. like, okay. Uh, no, I, I, I really envy Asian Americans growing up in this time where they feel like they can really own and they can actually see themselves too, right? Yeah. Like they're visible to look out and see yourself represented, whether it's in a podcast or on primetime television and a movie, music. You can actually see faces that look like yours. And so... Um, if you would ask me this in high school, I'd always, yeah, I'm proud of being Asian. Really? Was I, you know, I, I don't, I don't know. I don't think to the extent that I am now, I, I, I actually think, so I have two, two boys. They're, um, 11 and eight now. They actually just turned 11 and eight this summer. And when my sons were born was the first time that I really took ownership of being Asian American. 
Hmm. Like I didn't realize how culturally white and Americanized and how um, I really was not in touch with my culture. And, and I always stood behind this defense of like, oh, I'm like a terrible Asian because I don't right. speak my language. <laughs> and yeah, I just yeah, don't yeah. have a lot of Asian friends. And every girl I've ever dated was white or brown or black. Like I never had, you know, any interest in Asian women. So I've just been a bad Asian. It was just like a, a defense mechanism. And all of that was just because I think I felt like I was being kind of ostracized by my own community. Right. Like they wanted nothing to do with me. I do remember being attracted to Asian girls growing up and they're just like, nah, like you're whitewashed. Like you hang out with the skaters. Like, oh, you only go for like blonde cheerleader girls. And I'm like, okay. And then all like the Korean dudes were just like, dude, you're like whitewashed kid. You know, right. you go to punk shows and stuff. Like you're not a part of us. And so after a while, I was like, where's my, where are, where am I? You know, like, where do I fit into all that? But I still had an opinion and appreciation for a lot of things that were happening within Asian subcultures yeah. that I thought was really cool. You did? But I just you thought didn't, the ASEAN stuff was cool? Like, I thought it was cool. I just yeah. didn't have an inroads to it. You know, I, I was like looking at all the cars. I was like, oh, Integras and Preludes yeah, and all yeah, this. Yeah. I was like, that's really cool. I don't have an inroads because I hang out over here where it was so segmented and clicky in the 90s where if you were a punk kid, like you didn't listen to metal. You know, the, right, the right. Heshers listen to metal. I'm like, but I like some metal. No, you're a punk kid. Like, you guys beef. You know, the jocks were over here. The jocks did not mess with the skaters. Did it also have something to do with, like, did you like being the only Asian kid in that scene? Because sometimes, like, I like that part of it made yeah. me kind of distant from, like, the other Asians. Because I, I liked being, like, oh, I'm different. You know, like, right. you know, when you're a teenager, too, yes, you're like, I'm yes. different. Oh, you right, know? right, right, right. I'm not like, because um, Asian Americans, especially at that time, were so homogenized. Right, right, right. And would do everything in packs. Like, once I remember I was really early into snowboarding, the the kind of, like, skate-oriented style of snowboarding at Snow Summit, Big Bear in the early 90s. And the only other Asian American kid on the mountain was Steve Aoki. And I remember Steve, <laughs> he had bleached hair like the way my hair looks like right now. And he was with a bunch of white kids. I was yeah. like, yo, there's another Asian kid here. And that kid ended up being Steve Aoki. And for years, I was always going up snowboarding, you know, um, my white friends. Some black when the friends. Invisible War started? <laughs> yeah. And then, and then we start. And then, yeah, exactly. Oh, yeah, with Steve, right? <laughs> yeah. That's a whole other episode. That's a whole other. Go check out the other episode for that which is, reference. Which is ongoing, by the way. Yeah, yeah. Um, um, but anyways, I just remember the first time I saw not one other Asian American or Korean American person on the slopes, you know, on the, on the, on the ski hill, it was like 11 popped up at the same time, you know? And then the same thing happened when I was deep into raving in the early nineties coming out here for magic Wednesdays, like the LA had just had a really great warehouse scene, the Alexandria hotel and all this stuff. And I remember, oh my God, there's like seven k-town clubbing guys in like white right. shirts with like the black pants that was big yeah and i was like what are koreans doing here that's weird you know and then the next week there was like 20 more and then there was like so you saw it right more. when it was starting to grow yeah. yeah and then you know the rave population became like half asian american kids yeah. right in the in the later half of the 90s and then i was kind of like tapped out of it so there was a part of that i think I just had such an estranged relationship with my racial identity coming from so many different places, you know, and not proud of it at all. I think I'm also, again, once I had children and I look, I have full Asian American boys, you know, and I just realized 
first of all, how beautiful they are, how complex and complicated they are as people, right. how proud I was of them and how proud I was that we were all Asian, like in this world and having these conversations with them where I'm like, Hey, like I didn't grow up in a space where I was proud to be this, but right. this is why we should be proud. You know, this yeah. is what half the world looks like, right? Yeah. And this is what we've accomplished. This is what we've contributed to society. This is how we can be allied to other people. You know, all these things. I was like, dude, we're the best. Honestly, yeah. like I just, yeah. if you had asked me in, in my teenage years, oh, would you choose to be Asian? I'd be like, no, no, no. Like I would, in a heartbeat, I would choose to be, like if, if I could pick my race right now, like yeah. I wouldn't want to be Asian, you know, in the mid nineties, I was like, get me out of here. Uh, right now, if you'd ask me, I, I really would not choose to be any other race. Like I yeah, love yeah, being yeah. Asian American right, and right. Korean. And so it took me a long time to figure that out. I feel horrible about it in a lot of ways. Cause I think there are a lot of missed opportunities in my work to represent more properly for right, right. my people. And I've tried to do that more and more over the years. Um, I mean, you have, I mean, it seems like Asians have obviously been drawn to streetwear. Yeah. Which yeah, is yeah. kind of weird, right? The way you started and now you're in this space that yeah. so many Asians are involved in. Yeah, it is. It is super cool. There's a lot of Asians in this. The Filipinos, I got to say, the Filipinos were the first. They, yeah. Yeah. Before. They are the OG Asians the, of culture. Of just, culture, <laughs> yeah. of like hip hop culture, yep. of sneaker culture. Filipino kid put me onto all my, all the things I love today. Yes. Like real talk. Yeah. The they intro. had such, like the Japanese, they had uh, the Filipino, like the American side, maybe I I don't know even in the philippines but the filipinos had such an appreciation for product and for culture and identifying with brand in a way where nobody else felt like that so if you look at the early years and early 2000s and the hundreds a large segment of our audience was filipino you know yeah. like those were like the hardcore fans and um especially out of the bay obviously like the what, Daily what City is it kids. what is it about filipinos you think that that they're just up on stuff so early they're literally the DJs of like every <laughs> all, every culture, like every pop culture thing, like that's hot. Something about they're breaking records and shit. There didn't seem to be um, any type of stigma associated with being into this stuff in a way of like, for example, the moms and dads would be in line with the kids, mm. right? Like I forget this one kid, this guy, maybe his name was like Ralph or something. He was like a 45, 50 year old nurse that would show up after his shift with his three kids and he'd be buying as well. Yeah. And I thought that was strange at the time where I was like, that's weird. The kids are into what their dad is. The dad's into what the kids are into. Dude, they were so far ahead of it. Now that's how everybody thinks. I'm a dad. I'm still into this stuff. I, I'm going to be shopping with my kid right. too. But they just had no, you know, I just feel like they had less judgment around it where my parents most other parents would be like what are you guys doing you're just wasting all this money what what is it about but maybe they were just more open-minded i can't speak for i'm not filipino a lot of people think i'm filipino but i can't speak for it but they just seem much more open-minded to how the culture worked or maybe it had to do with imelda marcos and her having like the biggest sneaker collection of all time also but also <laughs> filipinos get they they can get lumped up with the latinos too yeah you know like yeah. just different areas yeah you know, they can they're like chameleons they are <laughs> like they, they can get in asians already are kind of shapeshifters like yeah. that's what dave cho and i used to always talk about he's just like dude we're, we're shapeshifters yeah, like yeah, we'll yeah. kind of like mold anybody Filipinos like do it the best, you know, right, like right, they right. can really, they somehow like some of the best skateboarders. That's the best gateway Willie Asian. Santos, like, That's the best, best the gateway. The best gateway Asian <laughs> is a Filipino. Uh, one thing you mentioned actually is interesting because you talk about how, you know, you're into all this big hit stuff now, but it's not really being into big hit stuff. It's just being into the stuff that's 
it's it since it's mainstream like yeah. any any generation that's into that is going to still be into them when they get older I, and that makes me think of like what's like an our generation above us that's like that was a thing they did when they were young that they still carried on to their older as as a big kid as as an older person the generation above us what are they still i'm just into? trying to think because i mean maybe like rap music right like, right like like old like, old school like old rap, school music. rap right <laughs> yeah. you go to uh, like curtis blow and shit like yeah that. yeah like yeah. you go to any you know white girl's wedding who's like 40 and up and they're still playing like 90s rap music at the wedding and you're like what is this this is yeah. crazy how did that carry on out of everything they they just you know they discarded all their fashion choices from the 90s and everything but the music stuck interesting right? yeah that's that's the power of music it, the yeah. music is i guess the main thing yeah music has always been on the front lines of pushing whatever cultural movement is behind it you know and so someone asked me this yesterday they said is streetwear um, you know, is, is the right now there's this really incredible movement going on in streetwear where there's more of a focus and a reminder that a large part of this is owed to black people, right? Black right. communities, right. even if they haven't had the ownership, right? They were pivotal in a lot of these things happening. So now there's a push for more black ownership, uh, emphasis on black owned streetwear brands. And someone asked me yesterday, if, is that a trend? You know, are we just, is that just, are people just capitalizing on this moment? Or are we just talking about it because it's BLM right now? I was like, I don't really think so because if you remember in the 90s, a lot of the rhetoric around rap was this is a trend, right? right. Larger, per, you know, more mainstream music industry, just pop culture in general was like, this is cool for right now, but it's going to disappear. It didn't ever disappear in fact it overtook pop culture pop music and, and it was now, very pro-black too and it was super yeah. pro-black yeah. and it was always ex exactly and it pushed if you know 30 40 years later now it's the same thing as pop music right it's rap music the same thing as pop culture like my kids think music is rap like they right. don't even know any they, when they talk to they'll the, the talk about me oh dad, <laughs> yeah, daddy likes funny. rock but we like music <laughs> you know and i'm like yo that's rock amazing. is a wait what you know this is where it all no no they're like rap is music it's like when i hear a rapper being like i like chinese girls and i like asians too <laughs> 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 which you hear all i remember as a girl and i'm always hearing asian thrown into the when they list off the asians and yeah. then they go asians yeah, too. Chinese <laughs> and asian <laughs> That's amazing, though. That they think just rap is music. Rap That's is hilarious. music, right? And entertainers are black entertainers. Like, athletes are black athletes. Like, everyone on that's the face of culture is black and coming from black culture and black history. And so I think, I really do believe that in terms of ownership and how business goes, we're going to see the same thing in, like, 20, mm. 30, 40 years. It'll be completely normal for black owners to just be on a, you know, like the face of everything and uh, especially in business to be leading the charge. Now it's like, you can point to how many black faces there are that are in charge of like powerful corporations and ownership, right? Like there's like an Instagram dedicated to what do the boards of companies look like? Yeah. And like, there's net and there's nary a black person. There's like one light skinned woman somewhere in the mix. I don't think that's going to be the case. I really hope it's not, but I really don't think it's going to be the case for this generation because it's so normalized. Like, again, you got to remember, like, my kids are growing up in a world where it's totally normal to have a black president, right? For eight years, they had a black president. And so for our generation, that was, like, mind-blowing. Right. For them, it's like, why isn't that possible, right? And, and that's the perspective. That's the beautiful part about having children is always seeing the world, how they look at it. I just get down on their level, and I'm like, right, it's totally normal for 
two Korean guys to be sitting down and having a podcast with everyone listening and not even considering the fact that they're Korean or anything. That's normal. Yeah. I can do that too. They watch TV. My my younger son's favorite person on, in the world is Guava Juice, this YouTube personality, right? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I know, right? I know. You know Guava you know, Juice, he knows right? YouTube shit, so. Obsessed with Guava Juice. <laughs> like he does everything Guava Juice tells him to do. It's completely normal to yeah. him. That's his favorite person. My favorite person is Michael J. Fox. Yeah. But I looked at him and I was like, I'm never going to be in a movie because I don't look like that guy. I don't know right. anyone, you, you know, like, I, I don't come from that world. Everyone in my family doesn't look like that. I'm not even in the movie. I'm not in Back to the Future, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so my kids are growing up saying, like, my favorite person on YouTube looks like this. I can be like that, too. That's true. Right? That's why representation matters. That's um, why it matters. Let's take a look here. Um, it's nice how you guys talk about real life issues. <laughs> that just tells you that we've been talking about bullshit for the last <laughs> couple of months. <laughs> too white for the Asian kids, too Asian for the white kids. Did you feel like that? I did feel like that, and I own it, and I love it. I love being in the cracks. 90s rap aged so well. Do you agree? Yeah, to someone my age, it, <laughs> yeah. I, it, I play that. I play that music for my kids, and they're not into it. I definitely think that Wax Stereo has to be around our age yeah. to say something like <laughs> that for easy sure. For us to say, yeah, um, uh, it's it's fine. Uh, Filipino pride, let's fucking go! Shout out to the Filipinos, of course. Um, all right, let, let let me see the newer chat. It's from the top, right, Tony? Right here. Uh, Guava, Guava juice. juice is <laughs> Uh, uh, yeah, you guys can ask questions in the chat too. Um, I'll be happy to ask those for you. Um, one thing I was gonna ask you though, because uh, we, um, with the recent BLM movement and everything, mm. there's been a huge push to give credit, obviously, to the pioneers that are are black and, and yeah. And, but how do you think relations are with uh, between other people, POC communities? You know, um, because obviously mm. there's white and black, but there's all this other connect other relations. Yeah, that we don't talk about a lot because people automatically people think POC is one thing, and it's really not. It's really not. You and know? even amongst Asian Americans, exactly. right? This is everyone knows this by now. It's one on one, but we're all different. Yeah, and we come from backgrounds where we hate each other more than anything right? yeah and, and <laughs> it's, it's like it's tough you know even you know that this is something that i've been going to looking at myself because yeah. i've always been like i'm down yeah, yeah <laughs> you know and all yeah. of us because we're all part of this culture that that um we we're part of a lot, lot of things that are black culture with hip-hop and everything but i feel like in the community in the scene we're all cool you yeah. know what i'm saying but yeah i look on instagrams and there's all these meme accounts with Asian ones, world stars, the, you know, the black meme accounts to the, the Asian meme accounts. Yeah. There's a lot of divide and hate between communities, yeah. Yeah. you know, and things getting shared <laughs> that are like things that we don't see every day. Because mm -hmm. we, I mean, when we're lucky not to experience it every day, but there's going, things going on, you yeah. know, whether it's like xenophobic attacks to uh, you just see the relations between Asians and blacks or even yeah. Latinos, really, you know, yeah. in L.A. has a history between the black and Latino community too. gang wars between yeah. two. Yeah. Um, do you think I mean, I, I definitely think we're making progress in it, you yeah. know, but where, where how do you feel about it? I think this is the uncomfortable moment where we're putting everything out on the table. Uh, I remember, you know, when. There used to be a time when we would say, oh, it would be a cool superhero power to be able to read everybody's minds and what they really think. And now you can do that because we have Twitter and everyone just volunteers how they're feeling about everything. <laughs> now, So yeah. you can read everybody's right. minds. Right. I like when we're um, considering someone to work with, you know, just like from a brand level. And I'm like, how do they stand on political issues? 
no problem. Let me just scrub their social real quick. I'm like, there's a BLM square. Okay, a photo of John Lewis. All right, we're good. You know, so like <laughs> everything is transparent. We can know everything about right, everybody now. Right. So this is the uncomfortable moment where we used to not talk about religion and politics at the dinner table. And now we're all just putting it on the dinner table. And it's ugly because we haven't talked about it. We didn't know how to talk about it for a very long time. Um, and so it's going to take some work getting through. Maybe that's our, li- our lifetime's work. You know, I, I don't know if this is going to end in two years, four years. It's like this really is not Trump. This is symptomatic of Trump. Right. Mm. So, uh, you know, I think we have a long stretch ahead of us where we're going to have to navigate a lot of these discussions and figure it out. I just hope that people can understand or at least agree on the point that people can be right or wrong. It doesn't mean that they're good or bad. You know, there's a distinction between that. Like, I, I, I genuinely believe that there are not a lot of, like, truly bad, like, black-hearted people out there. I, wa- I just finished this docuseries on HBO called Gone in the Dark. It's mm. about Michelle McNamara and the Golden State Killer. The Golden State Killer is a bad person. <laughs> I think we can all agree. Yeah, yeah. Pretty t- he raped 50 women on top of all these people he murdered. Uh, that's a pretty bad person. Um, but if someone has differing social views from you, even if they are, the ramifications of those views are quite violent, you know, um, there is a part of me that wonders if they don't appreciate how violent that thought is, you right. know? And so not judging them based off of that's a bad person for believing that way. Um, can we leave room f- to allow them just to consider them as being wrong? And uh, we can help steer them to get to more of a right side. So. That just takes a lot of work. The problem right now is that the way the internet is set up, the way the media is set up, the algorithms, just our patience and our scope of the world, especially in a pandemic when we're isolated, is to pull us apart more than ever and polarize us. And so we have to fight harder than ever to find common ground to talk. For sure. Right? I'm actually okay with living in a society. In fact, I want to live in a society where people have different points of view. Right. Right. Um, someone who comes from rural, like the base of backwater Florida, you know, I kind of expect them to have a different view from me. Right. Who's, you know, living in LA for the last 20 years, pretty liberal, a brown person. Um, I don't think that they're a bad person for some of their views, but I think I can learn a lot. Right. Like, I think it's intended for us to have all these different kinds of viewpoints. That's like the gray area where people feel like, no, everyone has to be on the same page with every single political issue. We don't really want that. That's not how it works. Like you can't have good without bad. We can't have negotiations and discussions. Like I just learn so much from people who have different points of view, even if they're entirely wrong, like it helps me build empathy for them to get them to a place where they're, on my side or they can see the way that things that see the life life the way that i look at it you know how how is like this how has this moment been with you and your kids like how do you teach what's going on right now how do you make them feel as young asian kids in school because i can only imagine what the fuck is going down at school right with kids between kids it's a little wild it was a little wild um i i wonder if they had actually been within the physical context of a school this year how that would have been but a lot of it's happening online. I right. hear my kids talking about it when they're playing Fortnite and they're talking to kids about a lot of these social issues in BLM. Yeah. Fortnite, you know, even had like a cop car being burned and like BLM statements being made, you know. 
Um, oh, interesting. I didn't my, know that. As yeah. they were playing the game, my kids were just like, Daddy, are you seeing this happening? I'm like, that's really interesting. So my theme of 2020 and most of my conversations, business relationships and around my family is no judgment. Right. We are not going to judge how people um, react towards the pandemic. Right. A lot of people are freaking out. A lot of people feel a certain way. Like, let's just listen to how people feel right now. So it's the same thing also with a lot of the social issues, political issues that are coming up. My kid will, you know, come home or I'll come home. And my kid will say something about like, oh, daddy, so and so's dad, uh, my friend's dad. He he's a Trump supporter. Can you believe it? And I'm like, oh, I can't really believe that because he lives on the street. But um, is that bad? And yeah. he's like, of course, that's bad. Daddy, it's Trump. He's a horrible person. I'm like, why is he a horrible person? Because um, because he's bad, right? He's bad. I think he's not a good person. But have you done your research? You got you better be equipped to defend that position mm. when that kid comes to you and says, my dad likes Trump and he's bad. Why? Because now you look like the fool. It actually just reinforced his beliefs that Trump's a good person if you're just like being judgy, right? So no judgment. Like, let's actually talk everything through. We're super transparent. We've always been this way with the kids, even since they were, like, first talking. Yeah. We talk about, just like how I'm talking right now to you about all this stuff, we do it in front of the kids and with the kids. That we involve them. They watch the news. We talk through every issue. Every, you know, thing that comes up on the daily podcast every day. So there's always, like, some hot it button issue <laughs> yeah, that, yeah. that we're talking on that day uh we talk about the dinner table and i'm like how do you feel about that and where did, how did you come to that discussion how did you come to that decision i'm not trying to force feed them anything i'm just trying to give them all the tools and ingredients right. because i'm like in a few years my 11 year old in seven years i'm like you're getting out of the house i'm kicking you out yeah and then you have to make your own decisions and we may come to a point in our adult lives where we are at opposing ends, like the way I am with my dad. My yeah. dad and I couldn't be more polar opposites on the on right. the political spectrum, right? And like he won't even talk to me about um, fucking Parasite because he's like that's socialist, right? Like right. any any Korean drama I watch, I'm like Itaewon Class <laughs> yeah. is so good, Papa. He's just like. He's like, that's socialist, you know, yeah. like that, that's that generation of like, so scared of like communism. So what right. are you talking? You know, like when the riots were happening here in L.A. Sorry, I'm talking so much. No, no, no. I want to hear this. Yeah, when the riots were happening and they were at our doorstep and a lot of people know this, they were watching that Saturday night. Um, it, the rights ended, the protests ended and the rights began on our doorstep at the corner of Fairfax and Rosewood. And um, my dad, I was actually with my dad while that was happening. You know, we're trying to figure out what's going on. We had people on the on the street, on the ground. And, uh, you know, my dad is just talking. He's just like, look, all these looters and all these people. I'm like, well, they're going to steal from you. And um, my response to that was, it's okay, Papa. Like, they're going to steal. Right. And he was just like, yeah, that, that's your money. You know, that's like your stuff. Yeah. And I said, if they have to steal it from me, they need it more than I do. Right. Right. And that's how we talk about theft even within our house. Like we have an alarm system. Like, yes, I'm protected at home. But the kids, you know, that weekend, it got a little crazy. We live near Santa Monica, police right. helicopters, lots, lots of, you know, rioting going on in, around the malls and stuff. And the kids were a little worried. What do you and, think about your statement? Was it like, you're stupid? <laughs> yeah. Like, I mean, he, well, he was he knows he you know he's watched me my whole life like this is how yeah. i felt when i was like 12 and 13 i, I grew up in punk so i just come from this right like i used to be way more way more far left like yeah. complete nihilist anarchist right like, right right didn't believe in anything i want i wanted the world to burn 
which is the job of a teenager. You want the world to burn. Thank you for existing. Right. But I'm 40 now. And so like a lot of my views have adjusted because I have children. I have a business, have people that I'm responsible for. But, you know, my dad, my dad just he he doesn't understand. And we just always come. We talk it out and then we get to a point where we just sit and we're like, you're not going to budge. I'm not going to budge. Okay. And are you a bad person? I don't think you're a bad person. Do I think you're wrong? Hell yeah, you're wrong. Right. You know, like, but are you like a horrible person? No. There's so much, there's so much that goes even into the biology, the biological makeup of who we are actually defines a lot of our political positions, right? right? Our socioeconomic, like there's so much experience to that, that it's very hard for me to judge most people and where they come from politically. Yeah. Like they may have just had really terrible experiences with people that make them feel that way towards certain people. I still think it's wrong, but if I were in their shoes, would I feel that way? I would like to think no. Right, right. I have no idea, you know? Yeah, I, I saw your statement about that, and you made that statement publicly on your IG and everything. Um, I, like, where is the future headed with Fairfax just alone, that street? Cause, right? Well, so that day was interesting because that Saturday, Fairfax was supposed to reopen. And so if the rioting had had started 24 hours before, it would have actually been not as bad. But oh, interesting. I didn't all know the that. stores had been emptied out for since March. They moved everything back in. Dude, they moved everything back in the wow. night before. We did too. Like I did 12 not know to that. 18 hours before, we packed a store with inventory. Everything was glowing, pristine, immaculate. All the stores were stocked up and down the street. Wow. And... I was watching the night before on Friday night. A lot, there was some writing happening downtown, and I was like, "Tomorrow, there's a protest happening in Pan Pacific Park. It is supposed to go towards Beverly Hills. Yeah. There's no way the cops are going to let them into Beverly Hills. They're going to stop them." I was like, "What's right around there? Fairfax. Where are they going to go? Sneaker right. stores, obviously." Right. right. So I woke up the next morning, and I, you know, Ben and I, we called all our staff and all all our crews and all the kids around us, and we just said, "Hey, just like." Board, take all the inventory out you know like just take the inventory out of the store and we were telling all the other guys up and down the street too we were like hey take your inventory out like it's going to come up our way and some people listened some people didn't really think it was going to oh, be so you, you got all your inventory out we got all our in oh, inventory wow. out and for the large part they left our store alone there was like a lot of vandalism around yeah, it yeah, yeah. um look there's i don't know why you know, we again, it's one of those things where some people got really heavily looted. Some were untouched, like Huff got hit really bad. And then like the store next to it got nothing touched. So mm. it just where there was a moment or there's like a crack in the armor, people exploited it and they got what they got. I don't I'm not in I don't condone looting, looting or theft of any, by any means or crime by any means. But do I have it helps to have an empathy and awareness of other people and sure. their lives in order to make sense of a lot of what's going on. We've talked about this a lot on our show. Uh, we've had multiple like BLM like episodes and we, I talk about the LA riots in particular, like the, in comparison yeah. because the Korean community was so connected specifically for that, yeah. that one. Yeah. Uh, with Latasha and, uh, and Harding and everything. And, yeah. Um, and the rooftop Koreans, the rooftop that Koreans the, that the libertarians love, which a lot of people glorified at the time. You yeah. know, me too. Some like people I still, I, yeah, yeah, of course. And, yeah. and, and, and I think I took a step back and real, uh, realized like really what that's doing and just looked at everything. And, and it was like, it, that's when I was really woke to that situation, yeah. you know, cause it was so easy to glorify and be like, you're holding down your story, protecting it. But 
also you're like aiming it at a whole group of people and yeah. it's like it, yes. it, it was a it was a whole thing um before going to that let me just uh go into this chat real quick here um uh everyone needs bobby's level of empathy shout out uh a1 parenting oh look at that parent points Fortnite woke uh <laughs> yeah we are quiet because when bobby speaks you need to listen oh god oh shout out look bobby they tell, love you tell, tell that to my wife she asked Bobby about the wife enough out of me. Ask Bobby about the wife beater term. Do you call wife beaters wife beaters still? Because <laughs> we talked about this the other day. I think we did. I, I okay. I don't know anyone who still wears those. <laughs> I I got one right here. Yeah, there you have one. I, I I don't know what we call that. I guess I would still call it a wife yeah, beater. Yeah, yeah. I I mean, I've I talked about the, that is insane. Yeah, yeah. I, we were just talking about this the other day because I was in my uh, studio. And my whole writing crew is all all yeah. women. You yeah, know, and uh, I was talking about white oh beaters, God. and I was like, "Is that is that cool?" Like I said, then they were like, "It's a white beater." <laughs> it's a white beater. Like, what do we call it? Well, tank top. You can say tank but it's top. Not a it's tank not top. A really a tank it's top. It's a ribbed, right? a ribbed tank top. I wonder. <laughs> I don't know. That's uh Some questions have no answers, and that's okay. Um, I don't know. It's a sleeveless top, dude. Okay. <laughs> First of all, none of us condone wife beaters. Like, <laughs> look at Turtle Duck's comment. What is it? That transition between tell that to my wife and what about wife? <laughs> <laughs> we have no worry about that in my house because my wife can kick my ass easily. She's much stronger than me. That, but that's an interesting thing because we're taking, we're changing a lot of terms now as we're finding things problematic, right? Like, yeah. didn't they just find that the ice cream truck jingle is a racist song? Yeah. And then there's like a large segment of the black community is like, no, we always knew that was racist. And I'm like, oh, I'm so sorry. Right. Oh, <laughs> uh, I have uh, I've learned some. I thought I was woke. I thought I was woke. There's a lot of stuff this past couple months this that I learned about. A few months where people were like, you know how this is. How? And I was just like, oh, I, I what? I didn't know. I didn't know that. You know? Well, why wasn't a lot of this stuff? It just wasn't shared or what? Like, I just don't think the the platform was there. I think that's the entire point. Right. I will say I think Instagram has people who have learned to use Instagram better in the way they share information. Yeah. Those like slides with little yeah, facts, yeah, 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 like yeah. it's gone. like cool font treatments, yeah. nice color choices. I said this last time. Shout out to the graphic designers because they're like killing it this with is those a generation slides. of people who know how to market. Right. Mm, interesting. They yeah. know how to sell an idea. They grew up being marketed to, so they took all those all that stuff that they were being subject to and they weaponize it for themselves. That's how I look at it. Like we spent the shepherd Ferry built his entire art campaign off of fighting against, a, um, you know, being overwhelmed with advertising. When we were growing up in the nineties, the billboards, the commercials, there was this real resistance in the punk community against advertising. We're being sold to, we're being sold to. Then advertising kind of shifted the name of it uh, just kind of became more marketing, branding, still same thing, advertising. It's just slicker, you know? It's yeah. just like a slicker lie that we're, we're selling you. So we subject young people to this and they grow up, but they're savvier to it, right? So when I watch TV with my kids and some type of advertorial comes on, it's like not really commercial, not really like the feature film we're watching, but something weird is happening. I'm like, what are they selling you, mm -hmm. right? Like I pointed out, like we, we address it. They're like, oh, they're selling me that soda. I'm like, that's absolutely right. So they're hyper aware when they're being sold to. 
So we gave them all that, all those skills. Like yeah. we gave them all that nuclear arsenal, essentially. And now they're like, all right, now we're gonna turn this around and break the entire system apart, which is yeah. beautiful. Yeah. I'm like, this is how we used to sell a T-shirt. Now you're using it to sell. That's true. A movement or an idea, like. I always wondered, yeah, like with Christianity, why are they still on the megaphones, man? You know yeah. what I'm saying? They got to step up the advertising, fam. <laughs> yeah. Christianity, step up the advertising, bro. Y'all still yelling out Jesus with the big Christians ass signs. Christians have always had a really hard time remaining relevant to culture <laughs> in that sense. Yeah, yeah. Um, okay, let's take some calls. We're going to get some calls, guys. I want to hear from you guys. Uh, this is This is the part. I really haven't done actually with a one-on-one guest is take call. So I'm kind of excited for this. This is the first time we're doing this where uh, we have a guest on and you guys are able to ask questions because the other times we've done it, it's been with the usual co-host. So this is going to be cool. Um, I don't know. I hope people don't freeze up again to get too shy. We got two Changs. Okay, cool. This is one of our regular callers, two Changs. Two Changs. I love it. Okay. Hello? Two Changs. Two Changs is actually hilarious. Yeah, yeah, it's great. <laughs> Hello. We having difficulty? Live callers. Very risky. I know. Is this happened? This it's part very of very risky. Oh, yeah, we have a one-hour show with the gray area, and then we take live video calls, and we've had doctors and experts come in with some technical difficulties. So it's been, it's been a learning process. Hold on. Hello? Yeah, can you hear me guys? Oh, there he is. Yeah, there. Yeah, what's up, bro? Hey, what's up, guys? Hey, what's up, guys? Hi. Yo. Uh, uh, so I don't really have any questions or anything, but I just wanted to uh, say thank you to Bobby because I read his book for, like twice, cover to cover. And he- uh, wow. Thank you. Yeah, man. Twice, huh? You just didn't get it the first time. You're like- <laughs> <laughs> it's that hard to understand. <laughs> I didn't understand a bunch thank of you. words. Uh, no, it's, no, man, for sure. Uh, it really, like... It motivated me to be more focused and intentional about what I want to do for uh, my business hmm. plan uh, yeah. moving forward. Um, and that's to start a cafe, but also make it kind of a community space for a lot of people and also get streetwear and street art involved because in Baltimore, we have a lot of really awesome and talented artists, um, but a lot of them just yeah. aren't getting that big of a spotlight. And a lot of people, even in our own city, don't know that these people live here mm. yeah, yeah yeah is that something you're already uh, implementing like you're, you're starting to create this business this cafe yeah yeah actually in uh, an hour i have a meeting with some potential business partners to like really start moving forward for it yay that's awesome i don't yeah. know if you i oh I, I addressed it in the book i was born in baltimore oh yeah 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 exactly yeah yeah ellicott city yeah yeah right uh um but I do know there is a lot of talent coming out from that part of the world. This is also, look, this is an interesting time for, for a lot of different reasons. Um, someone asked me yesterday if, you know, they were from a small town in the Midwest and when do I make that transition to moving to LA or New York? I was like, I don't think that's even a pertinent question anymore. I think, if anything, people are trying or considering life outside of the cities. That's definitely happening in the Bay. Everyone's leaving San Francisco. Yeah. Um, you can pretty much stay put. We're all staying put right now anyways. We're all participating in the digital space. You can do that from wherever you are. And your community of Baltimore, Baltimore 
I promise you needs you, appreciates you, and celebrates you more than LA ever would. This is not like I don't yeah. think yeah. people, you know, it used to be, yeah, you have to go to, go to LA to make it. It's not that way anymore by any means. Yeah. And I always I always thought that was a shame when you have an amazing artist locally who mm -hmm. feels like they got to leave to do something. Um, yeah. That happened a lot with Korean American uh, talent in in LA. They'd all go to Korea. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah, it's true. Yeah. They'd all go to Korea and then next thing you know we just didn't you know brew any like amazing next generation of korean american talent here you yeah. know and they just yeah. go there and learn korean more to to get but it's sad i mean i get it because there wasn't much of a they didn't see korean american rappers killing it yeah so they're like, how the fuck are we gonna make money here we yeah. gotta learn the language and kill it but now you can do that and it's needed yeah so. yeah no the uh yeah, no, our whole um or at least for me the idea behind all of the stuff that we wanted to create was more of like we really wanted to have a space for food for drinks and for like live music um but with when the yeah. pandemic happened and after i read the book and my friends that reading your book too who's actually going to be part of um this partnership with us uh we both all three of us knew that we need to like one downscale it to make it seem that um what it's safe for people to be in and out of there um, so we yeah. don't want to have this giant, huge venue, and we but we also still wanted to very much have it so that the community can be involved and our community can be involved. So we're also talking about creating it so that there's a digital aspect to our business where instead of coming in, so like our whole thing too is that we all love streetwear and yeah. we want that to be a part of it too. So we're like, all right, how can we do that? Oh, let's do the Bonobos model where it's like you can get, you know, our homie to fit you and like look at you and be like, all right, this is what I think you should go with. These are the styles we should put together for you. And then have that be like, all right, go online and you can order this or you can order this to us and we can put it all together for you. And while you're doing all that, you can also yeah. get like some really good food, some really good drinks. Well, let me ask you something too, Changs. Are you afraid to start a business right now in this current like climate and economic question? <laughs> yeah. Economy right now. Uh, there's not I feel like there's just never a good time to start a business. So if you don't just start doing it, it's never gonna happen, you know? Do you agree with um, uh Bobby? <laughs> um I <laughs> I'm not trying to discourage him. You know, one of the rules, speaking of blue ocean strategy, someone just mentioned that one of the rules in business is that if it is a bad time to go into business, probably the best time. Because, no, right, it's kind of like real estate. It's, right. you know, buy one, no one's, or whatever it is. Um, so <laughs> <laughs> the same thing applies for business. There's so much opportunity out there. Look, there's the same amount of money that exists out in the world. It's not like there's like less or more money. There's just like the money's yeah. there. It's just moving around. It's in different pockets. And so maybe your industry could be dead, but there's, look, if, if you ask, Je if you ask Jeff, Jeff Bezos, it's the best time to be in business right now, right? <laughs> I know a lot of people who are bottom feeding right now and just exploiting the hell out of this opportunity and making right. a lot of money. And a lot of real, a lot of real estate people are going to be like that over the next year when people get evicted or have to sell, you know, leave their right. homes, buildings. Same like thing happened with the up. LA riots, right? Like didn't that one dude buy out like all the K-Town real estate? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Jameson exactly. properties. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So, and I'm not saying to do that, but uh, there are opportunities opening up or in, in, in different ways where people aren't thinking or seeing. Um, PCMW just asked if I'd read the, and I, I don't know if this is PCMW who I'm thinking of. It's PCMW. Oh yeah, this is the homie Peter. It's Pete, right? Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. 
Hi, Pete. Um, that's Pete once everybody. He <laughs> if he read that New York Times sweat sweatpants article, I I I didn't read it and I feel bad because everyone sent it to me to read and I didn't read it, but it's from what I've gleaned it's that the basically that's all people want to wear now or Yeah. sweatpants that's kind of the future of fashion. Well, Tu Chang, so are you are you saying that you feel like it's might be a better time to even go into business right now? Uh Kind of, yeah. Like, you guys made a great point. Like, the real estate for everything is really low. And right now in Baltimore, there's, I think within the pandemic, three or four other smaller pop-up, like, kind of like takeout windows to go situations popped up in the city um, because real estate was so low. Because, pe- because like, you know, people who were initially creating these giant food halls and only renting them out to people who already had a lot of revenue or other investors and money tied into their business be a part of that, they're now letting just about anybody come in. Mm, that's interesting. Yeah. You know, another thing, sorry, I don't know if this even relates, but another, another way I've been looking at business this year, which is not original to me by any means, but the way that everything is moving in terms of trends, for example, at the beginning, what was the first thing that everybody needed was hand sanitizer, right? So everyone is moving in these kind of mass herds, like seismic shifts, where we all kind of collectively do the same thing, and then we abuse the thing, and yeah. then we need something to fix the abuse, right? So with hand sanitizer, everyone gets a hand sanitizer, but what are you going to need in a month when everyone's using hand sanitizer and abuse the hell out of it? Yeah. You need lotion hand lotion right so then everyone you should right. make a hand so you have to think like that right now like mm-hmm. what is the thing that's happening right now that everyone is abusing and needing a lot of could be spending time online in digital chats and digital right. podcasts if we're all doing that and abusing it what is going to be the salve or the antidote for that because at a certain point we're going to be exhausted and fatigued from it yeah maybe it's some type of mental health wellness thing that's going to right so maybe that's the opportunity next year that people are going to need more than anything i think it is i think therapy uh mindfulness mental health is going to be explosive over the next two to five years interesting right because we're, we're gonna we're going through so much suffering and trauma right now that we're not even correctly processing that when we finally get the time to sit back and think about it all we're gonna be like oh my god i never even i haven't even gotten past the fact that kobe's dead yeah right like we didn't we didn't even get a moment to think about that one and this happened and this and then my job's gone and oh my god trump's elected again okay i'm just trying to Hang on. Yeah. But it, there will come a time True. when everything slows down and stops. Well, look out for those dumb, uh, fun with dumb stress balls dropping next week, guys. <laughs> <laughs> you, are ahead of the, you are ahead of the curve. <laughs> well, Two Changs, thanks for calling, bro. Yeah, thanks, guys. Good, cool. luck, good, good luck with your cafe, too, man. Good, good luck. You guys have a good day. Uh, we, I want to take some more callers. I want to take a couple more. Um, we're going to go on for about 10, 15 more minutes, um, and then uh, we're going to lose Bobby forever. Uh, so, uh, please call in right now. This man is a very wise man that I've taken notes from, um, and the way you operate and you live your life. So, you know, much respect to you, Bobby. Definitely, uh, appreciate you and everything you do. Is there any callers or what? 
Man, these fuckers are shy. You usually call like a motherfucker. Also, who calls anybody these days? I know, right? They're like, can I text in? Yes, you can. You right guys can, yeah, chat. you know what? You guys can just ask questions in the chat if yes. you guys don't want to call in. I, I actually didn't give that I option. can answer these questions. Yeah, let's There's do it. good ones. So um, if the hundreds could collab with any brand or person, who would it be? Um, I feel like I've gotten to do almost everyone that's on my bucket list, but you'd be surprised there's still many much more. That An obvious one would be Nike, right? We We've... I think mm. we've worked with almost every major footwear brand, Adidas, Puma, Reebok, uh, Fila, except for Nike. So we've, we work with Nike in other capacities with our food festival and stuff like that. But to actually make a piece of um, a footwear with them would be If great. you think of like a collab or something you want to do, do you immediately just like reach out and try to make it happen? Sometimes. Yeah. Um, but, and then sometimes there's, you know, Nike set up like Fort Knox where I know people there and, you know, the word is in and everyone knows, obviously, like we would love for that to happen. But there isn't like a hotline or an email to hit right. up to ask about that. But Just sometimes timing. there are. Sometimes there's like a like an Astro Boy or a Superman yeah. that I think of. And I'm like, there's actually an email that I can just nice. hit up and ask. Um, how was your exp oh, no, word? Have you ever done a have you ever thought about throwing in the towel? <laughs> <laughs> yes, all the time. I thought about it a lot more than ever this year. Um, oh, really? Like, just you just thought of this year, like, maybe this is it. Yeah, there really? were moments, and not by my own volition even, but just how are we going to get through March? How are we going to get through April? We're a small business. Um, depending on how you define small business, right. we're still a small business, and... Small businesses, most small businesses in America, we are only sitting on enough cash reserves to last us a month or two, right? And so um, if there's nothing coming in for a couple months, you disappear. Like rest, most restaurants, the average restaurant, I think, ha is like on a two to three cash reserve basis, which is why most of your favorite restaurants are disappearing. If they haven't already, they're probably on hard time, so please support them. Um, and so that reality was really stark, for made clear for us in starting in February and March of there may come a point in time this year where we don't have this brand or business anymore. What would that look like? Um, and then you have to start thinking about life afterwards and what that's all about. And it's hard because the brand is so much of my identity right. and my existence. Um, that's my SEO, you know, like who am I without yes, the brand? You know, you know? I, I want to ask you this personally, because as an independent artist too, who's had like a roller coaster of like relevancy in the culture too. Yeah. Yeah. And in a hundreds is the same way, right? Oh like, yeah you know and it could be very depressing too you know when yeah. you really start living in your headspace about it mm. and how do you just continue to well you know you could be at your lowest point of popularity or highest point or whatnot how do you continue to tell yourself like i am important to this culture yeah you know? um i can bring it back to the lesson that i talk talk to my kids about all the time because i think that their generation is going to have to cope with this more than even mm. um yeah we did but the younger generation but they're really going to have to deal with this cr idea of crowdsourced validation that they aren't yeah. actually intact or substantive or substantial without a bunch of people approving them you know upvoting them liking their page or whatever it is and so we were really lucky in the fact that we started in 2003 so roughly six or seven years before social media started a lot of our self-worth and understanding of what success was was uh inherent and rooted in within it was intrinsic mm -hmm. right it wasn't extrinsic it wasn't coming from the outside it was intrinsic it was this feels good to me and so it's a win 
I know I didn't make money. I may have lost money on that decision, but it felt good to me. So that's a win. That's a move forward for the brand. And just always being mindful and respectful of the brand and making sure that it's constantly being edified instead of and instead of eroding. Like every decision we we're making was going to reinforce the brand. I didn't care how much money we made, right. how many customers we had, which stores continue to carry us. It didn't matter to me. I was just like, this feels right for the brand. It's the right thing. And we had seven years, six or seven years of cultivate that type of mentality around brand and business making so that we were pretty much equipped to deal with what came with social media of highs and lows of like people like or don't, don't like. None of that actually matters to me at all. Someone just asked a question about Justin Bieber. I had this little situation with Justin Bieber a week ago. Oh, I didn't then, even know about this. Oh, yeah. yeah, we can get into it. But out of it, I've gotten over 10,000, 12,000 followers in like six days. Okay. Wow. I don't want. Oh, those. I did see that. I did. Yeah. See that. I don't. When that's, everyone's like the that's, bomb and the thing. Yeah. His logo. Right. Yeah. 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 Confusion. But everyone's like, oh, that's good. You're big on social media. Justin Bieber. I'm like, that does nothing for me. <laughs> that doesn't reinforce <laughs> yeah. or edify my right, brand right. in any way. That's not a win. And so I talk about this with my kids all the time of. Um, just understanding where your value comes from. Mm. It doesn't come from the outside. It comes right. from within. The only people whose opinions matter are your friends, your family, and the people close to you. Fuck everybody else, yeah. whether it's good or bad, right? If a bunch of people are celebrating and praising you, which they did in our early years, we were the hot new brand in LA. Everyone, dude, we used to call it the hundreds card. There wasn't actually a physical card, but you can walk anywhere in this town and be like, oh, I'm right, with the hundreds. Right. And like, you're getting laid, you're getting your meal comped, your free drinks. Right. I was like, none of that mattered to me That because no, every night I would go back and I had my family, every night I had my friends. I'm like, that's all that matters. Right. All this extra people praising me, that's temporary. People right. hating me, that's temporary. It could really fuck you up in the head too, right? It really can. All right, let's take a couple. Uh, is there one more? Caller, let's take one more caller, and then we'll do just a rapid round of these questions on the on the wall here. All right, who do we got? NM. Hello, NM. What's up, guys? What's up? How you I'm doing? I'm doing good. Um, I, I do got a couple questions for Bobby, and um, sure. Uh, love love your stuff, Bobby. I also read your book. Um, oh, thank I saw you. you when you came to Portland to do your signing at Powell's. Thank you. That was a fun one. That feels like <laughs> an eternity ago. Um, it was almost a year ago. It's sad. And I guess one of my questions is like, just thinking back to reading your book and thinking about like uh, all the economic stuff that's happening on going on right now like mm. do you feel are you are you worried about like a similar like type of thing that happened with like the 2008 recession because i know that was hard for you all and i'm wondering if you feel like yeah. there could be something like that yeah um yes i'm definitely worried about this looming recession which is happening it's i can't even say it's looming it's happening right um one of my really close friends just uh, told me that they're moving their family out of state. They've lived in Santa Monica, LA their whole lives and they're going to have to leave. Their businesses are closed. So this is very real. Um, even there's an, in this economic shift, there's a lot of winners and losers, but even the winners, you're not winning if everyone else is losing. <laughs> it's also not a world. Oh, okay. So you have a yacht, but all right. your friends don't live here anymore. How about that? Right. You know, right. so like there's, everyone is losing in this situation. This is much more dire and urgent than what's happened in 2008. That recession was bad in itself. Um, streetwear was largely insulated for it, by it uh, from it because of the 
aforementioned things of you know young people just kind of kind of don't care and they spend money anyways but so streetwear we got hit with it really hard a few years later um didn't hit us till like 2011 2012 and so i think this time what's going to happen is I, I i'm i'm really worried to be honest about uh, just the entire economic collapse i think it's a very real thing i think if you have a job right now be really grateful for that job even if you hate it i come from a place where i'm always preaching follow your heart and your passions you know i'm like korean gary vanderchuk or something <laughs> i don't subscribe to that type of thinking right now i think if you have a job hold on to your job appreciate you have it conserve save money take care of your people let's revisit this conversation of chasing your dreams mm. in a year okay we just all have to get past this next year we got to survive and do our best to support our community support it take care of ourselves just get through the next year and then let's talk about it then but in a lot of ways what's really scary to think about is that we never really recovered from 2008 right mm, especially right. in fashion and retail like retail stores we never recovered the way that it was pre-2008 like pre-2008 like shopping physical stores like all that stuff like we never recovered and especially with the advent of e-com so we weren't even back to where we were pre-2008 when this recession hit and so i don't think that's ever really going to come back in the same way ever ever again i just think the entire thing is completely shift and we have to think of different ways and make and do what we do the prior caller who's talking about more of a community-based space i think there's something to that i think that's going right. to be the future of what business looks like it's going to be more social minded it's going to be less about making money or valuating your company at a certain dollar amount and more about how you are contributing to the overall well-being of your communities like hopefully we can quantify our success in that way but as far as like what traditional business look like and what profits look like like kind of have to leave all that stuff behind right in order if we want to feel at peace and some type of normalcy and this is okay because we're never going to be making that kind of money again it's never going to see that kind of success again not for the short time anyways so we have to kind of change the goalposts on what it means to be valuable and to be successful in this world i, I like what you said about redefining the chasing your dream and revisiting that mm. does it do you sound like an annoying person if you talk about chasing your dream right now like is it i'll be honest i'm friends with gary v I, it kind of bothers me yeah when i hear a lot of that right now i'm like what does it feel like to you like it feels a little bit off out off key out of touch like not reading the tone room deaf. yeah tone deaf yeah, the people are struggling, man. There's so many homeless people out on, on like literally, I live in a residential neighborhood near Venice. Yeah. There's homeless people camping on my sidewalk. Yeah, no, for okay, like, town too, every, every other block. Chase your dreams, you know, you can make <laughs> Yeah. Dude, this guy would just love to have a job. Right, right. right. It's like, like show them these, a- These get, people, it's yeah. not that they don't want to work. They want to have a job. These people got evicted. These people lost their jobs. Right. Successful, smart people. Right. Not even, you know, like these people are, are real human. Like people that's, who were once in your position, too, yeah. you know. It's and so, yeah, they would love to. Right now, they just want to have a job. So right. just hold on to the jobs that you do have because not, none of that is promised. My job is not promised. I'm grateful every day, you know, every night we pray at dinner and I'm like, God, thank you. I have a job. I have a job. I that's have a job. Yeah. You know? So let's just be thankful for that. Someone just said this turned into therapy for Bobby. All my conversations <laughs> do that. 
I'm. I love that, man. I yeah. love that. I needed to hear a lot of this too. I'm just gonna. We're just gonna uh, thank you, Anna, for the call. Appreciate you. Um, we're just gonna go through a couple of these uh, quick. Uh, if there's, this is your last last chance, last five minutes with Bobby. Ask your questions right now in the chat, and we will just get through them right now, guys. Um, Bobby, thanks so much for coming by, man. I appreciate you. I, I always feel like you're like my big bro. I just young, if you oh, will. Oh God, you're my the you're the you're the young young. You're the I, young young. I love it because I do have. I'm a middle brother, and my younger brother. I would love for you know. I don't think he would ever say that. No, I, I always sure. try to give him advice. He's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah uh, I have a younger sister who would never call me opa for <laughs> sure. If I'd be like, call me opa, she'd be like, shut the fuck up. <laughs> Um, okay, here we go. How do you stay 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 encouraging for your kids during this time? Oh, yeah. I I um, we try to be mindful of what we have, but we also we do we do the game of um, what's the best thing that happened today, what's the worst thing that happened. Mm. I I don't think encouraging and this false sense of positivity and like the world is happy, happy, joy, joy right. is super detrimental. Yeah, you know. So when I'm having a bad day or I'm worried about something, I'm like. Kids, I'm really worried about this. I got yeah. bad news. Like, I don't know what to, I don't know what this means. Right. You know, this just happened on TV or there's this fire over here. Like, I'm scared too. Yeah, like, that just, assures them that you're the same, you know, oh you're human God. too, yeah. just like them. Yeah, exactly. Okay. What is something that you feel you learned about yourself during this time? For myself, um, that I have everything I need. Mm. Yeah. That the people I've chased, I've spent the last 17 years of my career collecting people. Traveling the world, collecting friends, building my network, more right. social media followers, more customers, more customers, more customers. I have all the customers I need. I have all the friends and I have all the friends I need. I already have them. That's a very but, comforting feeling too, right? In this yeah. time and feel, feeling safe. And I don't have a lot of like real friends, but yeah. the, tr the friends that I have, like they're within arm's length. Every night I sit down with my family and I eat dinner. And I've learned so much more about my kids and my wife this year that I would have never been afforded because right. I would have been traveling this entire year. So there's oceans of people in front of you at all times that have yet to be explored and understood. Like spend time with them. You don't need five more friends. Spend five more five times the time with mm. your friend in front of you. You know, like you already have it all. True. True. All right. One quick advice for creatives. Because this could be just like a extensive thing. Oh, what's an advice for creatives? Uh, yeah. Uh, it takes time. Time. Okay. And time. now you got a lot of time right now, guys. You have so much time. <laughs> but more. it takes, and it'll take even more time. It's just. On top of this. Patience, man. The patience. Uh, I feel like, yeah. I mean, do you think this quarantine situation kind of ha gives you this force to discipline as a creative for you to like stay home and create though? Like, Oh my God. I have so much guilt associated with it. Because yeah. of what you just said, it yeah. kind of like gave me chills when you were like, <laughs> you have all the time. So now it should be, you should be right. doing all your endeavors right now. You have no excuses. That is like the most crippling feeling mm. where I'm like, I have all the time. I have no more excuses. Now I got to I'm working on my next book. I'm like yeah. trying to write. I'm like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I only got three pages out. What's wrong with me? And the guilt of that, like right. that is so hard. So just got being, you. going easy on yourself and knowing that a lot of the creative process is really doing nothing mm, true right and just like listening waiting 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 for the ideas and inspiration to hit and it can take a long time but That's you true. just have to be patient don't beat yourself up for it okay and this is the last question what are some lasting social changes that will stay that will stay after the virus is over Ooh, i think we cannot ignore a lot of what has been dredged up 
Um, I don't know. I, I don't think I'm prepared to answer that question yet. I have no idea. I would hope that most of it sticks around, but um, I hope that people who felt voiceless and disempowered before feel like they do have some type of power in this world now. Yeah, and, and, and a support system. that And will, a support system. Yeah. Okay, so maybe that's it. Maybe if people can feel now that they're not alone and that if they're feeling a certain kind of way that they know that others will There's be there allies. to catch them. There's allies. Yeah. So hopefully that, hopefully that. Awesome. Yo, Bobby, thank you so much. Love you, bro. Um, Thanks, it's so weird because we saw each, ran into each other in uh, Paris. Like, <laughs> yeah. like kind of before everything <laughs> yeah. happened. Like when was that, winter or something or fall of last year? Yeah, it was like almost a year ago. Yeah. I keep doing that, dude. I just tweeted this the other day, but I always think like fall and winter, like fall 2019. That was yeah. like a few months ago. Cause I, but it's almost a year. Like we're in September almost. Yeah, we ran into each other. He surprised me. Like I was like <laughs> in the museum in Paris and he just like ran up behind me. I was, I was like, what the fuck? And we're supposed to be all quiet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And then he came out to my show and it was pretty lit. It was fun. Uh, yeah. Parents, Paris. Uh, but Bobby, love you. Thank you so much, man. Thank I think you, man. a lot of the people here really, really uh, thank you, everyone. Appreciated that. Um, so, what, what's uh, what? You want to plug something or what? Oh gosh, uh, <laughs> uh, no, <laughs> just no. Just thank you for listening, man. Like support the hundreds, man. Oh, support you. the hundreds, because yeah, if you support you. hundreds, you're supporting messages that are coming out of this man's mouth. And I, I support everything you're thank talking you. about, bro. Thank, thank you. you so much. Tune in next week for another episode of Fun with Dumb. Peace. Hee.